Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. You're listening to episode number 20 of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to the movies, the good, the bad, everything in between, or as I like to say, for the love of movies. Today continues our deep dive into the Halloween franchise with one of my personal favorite entries in the series, Halloween 2, The Nightmare Isn't Over, as the tagline said. But before uh, we had, we put Halloween 2 on the chopping block, so to speak, do a little bit of housekeeping as usual at the start. First off, I want to thank you, the dedicated listeners of this show, for your support and your feedback over these many months. As I said, this is episode number 20, and I'm going to keep going for as long as, uh, as I have it in me. Uh, certainly, as I've said, this is for the love of movies. It is a passion project, uh, but your response and just great feedback has made it all that more worthwhile and, and enjoyable, frankly. So thank you for tuning in each week and hearing what this movie lover has to say on uh, on movies. But uh, if you are if you are new here, feel free to follow along, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family, your friends, even your enemies, <laughs> anyone who you think might enjoy listening to a movie buff go on at great length with passionate monologues about his favorite movies and at times not so favorite movies. Uh, I try to cover it all here, as I've said. Uh, and, and if you could, because it does help uh, with the algorithms and all that jazz, uh, to uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, as always, share it, get it out there on social media. Let everyone know that you're listening to Phil at the Movies. You can follow me uh, on my personal handle at PhilCastMovies, or the handle for this show is Phil at the Movies. I tweet, for, I tweet from both accounts, but uh, definitely more active on my, my personal one, which is PhilCastMovies. So, all right, takes care of the housekeeping as usual. Going to dive right in to today's topic because I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Halloween 2. This was, of course, the first sequel in the franchise and and in many ways this is the movie that that started the series on the trajectory i mean w- without halloween 2 you don't have halloween 3 i mean it kind of 2 plus 2 equals 4 uh logic but interestingly enough because it was often thought at the time because of halloween's ambiguous ending with with michael seemingly disappearing after being shot by dr loomis uh deborah hill one of the producers and, and, and co-writers had said that many people thought they had set the movie up for an automatic sequel, and she said that wasn't on their mind. Even John Carpenter said that he had no intention, no interest to make a sequel for him. The story was done with Halloween 1978, the theme being evil never dies, it will go on and on in many shapes and forms. But uh, obviously the success of Halloween making over... $70 million on a budget of just $300,000. And again, this is 1978, which is, you know, a lot of money, uh, certainly, you know, by any standard, but back then, dear God. You know, so again, just to, to put it into perspective, Halloween in 1978, its total theatrical gross was $70 million. By today's equivalent, that's around $318 million. So, I mean, we're talking about a mega, mega hit movie. And, of course, today, by 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 our, our standards now, if a movie makes a little bit of money, there's a strong possibility 
that it will have a sequel. If it makes a lot of money, the green light is is on. There's going to be a sequel. I mean, just think, for example, in, in today's context, Joker makes over a billion dollars. Joker 2 is on the way. So it, it, looking back in hindsight, it, it's kind of a no-brainer that Halloween would have a sequel. But of course, remember, this was the world where sequels were not always a a foregone conclusion. I mean, now we think of them as kind of uh, bread and butter uh, for, uh, for, for movies and in the industry. But back then, we're only talking The Godfather Part II, uh, Jaws 2, which had come out the same year as, as Halloween. So, I mean, the world was not littered with, uh, well, maybe littered isn't the right word, but uh, sequels were not dominating the box office charge, shall we say, uh, by today's standards. So the idea of there being a sequel to Halloween, you know, as I said, was not the immediate reaction. It wasn't the thought of the creatives behind it. And and interestingly enough, you know, people had this perception that, oh, Halloween you know, premiered and it was this huge hit. didn't work that way. Uh, back then... Halloween was released kind of city by city, and it grew through word of mouth. And so it played through 78, made a lot of money, made uh, a great impression, continued playing, again, with its title, built an audience with Halloween time. So you come into 1979, boom, again, making more money. So by the time 1980 comes around, Halloween is this, you know, sort of certified hit. It is It is this big... Uh, box office juggernaut, so to speak. Uh, but again, you know, kind of word of mouth building it up to it and, and kind of a slow, you know, build at the box office. Um, but, you know, it, it it made sense that there would, in fact, be a sequel. Now, of course, the question was, how the hell was there going to be a sequel? What would the storyline be? And interestingly enough, there was this sort of, you know, typical Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, politics and, and, and uh, backfighting. Uh, John Carpenter, who had gone into in, into a partnership, more or less, with uh, er, uh, Irwin Yablongs, who was the producer on, on Halloween, John Carpenter was going off to do The Fog. And as a result of it, um, you know, he was working with another company or another producer, and then there was this whole, you know, kind of, you know, fight over rights of who would get to distribute it. And so lawsuits are filed. I mean, it's, again, typical, you know, sort of Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, you know po- backdoor politics or, or what have you. Uh, so long story short, the way the distribution rights for The Fog or who was going to uh, distribute it, uh, Irwin Yablongs or uh, this other company, Embassy Pictures, the solution was that... Uh, Embassy Pictures would, would get the rights to The Fog and, and distribute it, but uh, as a result, Erwin Yablonk's company, uh, Compass International, would have the, the sole rights to produce a sequel to Halloween. Thus, that was how Halloween 2 uh, sort of emerged, if you will. And uh, it, you know, again, it was not something that John Carpenter relished. Uh, he has often said he, it was a, it was a, a laborious task, the uh, now I'm going to get into spoilers if you haven't seen the movie, so you know you've been warned from this point out. But John Carpenter regretted making Laurie and Michael brother and sister. That was a decision that he chalked up to 
uh, both writer's block and a six-pack of beer one night just trying to get through the script. So it kind of shows you that this was not the kind of uh, labor of love, if you will, uh, that that the original Halloween was. It was a much more arduous process, and, and John Carpenter really wanted to just... You know, get it over with. You know, maybe make back a little bit more money uh, that than than he did. You know, did not receive for the original film and kind of square everything out. But it was not a fun task. Interestingly, before the decision was made to have it take place on the same night, which I have to say was a ultimately a genius decision because number one, it rarely happened up until that point. And even today, a sequel that picks up almost you know, minutes after the previous one, it often isn't handled right. So I, I got to really give it to them uh, major props for having the storyline pick up the same night and then following it through. Uh, that was a stroke of genius. But interestingly enough, the movie uh, or the, the version that they were considering, and I don't know if there was ever a script written or if it was more just in the, um, the discussion stage, but initially Halloween 2 was going to take place years down the road. So, you know, presumably, you know, three or four years post-Halloween, Halloween Halloween 1978. And the storyline that that Carpenter and Hill were considering was having Laurie Strode much more, you know, a few years older and and much more cautious and and guarded living in a city somewhere in a high-rise apartment building with security all around her and then somehow Michael would be finding her and of course Loomis would be hot on his trail and you know whatever happened uh, would have happened but uh, it's interesting how that idea uh, in a way kind of uh, you know found itself being repurposed in Halloween 2018 which does show a Laurie Strode who is much more cautious much more guarded and is living in her own personal fortress in Haddonfield uh, so it's kind of interesting how, you know, those ideas, you know, you know, they get kind of put to the side, ultimately find relevancy again. So it's interesting from, from that standpoint that, you know, there could have been that version of Halloween all the way back in 1981, which would have been a kind of, you know, post-traumatic stress. Laurie Strode, you know, dealing with the trauma of that night, living in a high-rise, uh, high-security building, uh, apartment building. I think that, you know, it's just sort of fascinating that that was already in the works. And it kind of makes sense, given where Halloween H2O uh, would later would later take the story. But nevertheless, uh, the decision was made to have the movie take place the same night and then to uh, kind of, you know, carry on the storyline, so to speak. And, uh, you know, that that's interesting. That, I think, is interesting. But as, as, I, as I said earlier, John Carpenter was pressed for an idea because, as he put it, there wasn't meant to be a sequel. It was meant to just be a, a, a one-off movie, the theme being that evil never dies. And it's perfectly summed up in the finale of the movie with Michael disappearing after a night of carnage. Um, so he found himself pressed to to give a a rationale uh for for people and and trying to you know to give a, a, an explanation of why uh you know Michael Myers you know is is after Laurie Strode and so that's why of course you know you know putting aside the writer's block and 
and, and, and the, uh, the six pack of beer, the solution was, was settled on, you know, okay, there we have it. It's, it's on, you know, he's, he's after her because she's the other sister. And as I've alluded to in earlier uh, episodes, that, has, that to me was a, a problematic decision, I think, for the series because going forward, I mean, realistically, until the 2018 movie, the family bloodline aspect of the story has carried through. And it kind of... It, puts you in a creative box because, I mean, without Laurie Strode, you then have to find somebody else in the family for Michael Myers to go out, you know, to go after. Thus, you, know, you get Jamie or you get distant relatives. I mean, you know, it, it presents itself uh, its own creative challenges. And, and ultimately, I think it's, you know, part of the reason the series, you know, find, found itself kind of going in circles uh, by Halloween uh, four and frankly, of course, you know, with Halloween six, it was you know just sort of running into a wall repeatedly, and you know ultimately it, you know it did lead them back to Laurie Strode, but um, all of that, of course, can be can be traced back to the decision to make Michael Myers more than just this mysterious force of evil, a shape, if you will, but to make him, in fact, the brother of Laurie Strode and make her, you know, another member of the Myers uh, family. But, you know, all of that said, you know, I, I, I do think it works within this particular storyline and frankly within this particular timeline because, you know, it, it is more or less handled by the same team. I mean, that's something that's, again, rather fascinating, particularly when it comes to sequels itself. The same crew pretty much the all the same creatives everybody was involved in this in this particular movie John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wrote it they produced it John Carpenter did the music for it along with uh, contributions from Alan Hallworth you know you had Dean Cundy doing uh, the cinematography so I mean like it was it was pretty much the same crew from 1978 with you know you know kind of one exception being uh, you didn't have um, um, Nick Castle playing Michael Myers, this time played by uh, Dick Warlock, and uh, it was directed by a guy named Rick Rosenthal. But I mean, all that said, and, and you know, kind of as an aside, John Carpenter did end up kind of directing or ended up reshooting a lot of scenes in Halloween 2 to kind of bump up the gore, and I'll get to that more later. But I think that's why this movie feels so seamless. Uh, compared to other sequels. And, and I, I make the comparison to Jaws 2, which is a fine sequel in and of itself, uh, certainly compared to what came afterwards, <clears throat> 3 and 4 uh, specifically. But, um, you know, th there is a tonal and, and kind of stylistic difference between Jaws and Jaws 2. And in Halloween and Halloween 2, there's, there's really, there's not much difference. It, it is pretty much... I mean, from from the cinematography to the lighting to the design, it feels like a true continuation of that night. I mean, talk about a perfect double feature. It's not like anything kind of feels, oh, you know, it looks like they've, you know, shot it. I mean, even though they did shoot it a number of years later, it still has the, the same cinematic uh, authenticity, if you will, 
that you can say, well, yep, this is this is literally the same night. This is you know moments after Loomis shot Michael Myers off off the balcony, and it, it, I I really have to give it to him because it, it, that's it, one it's hard to do, but to kind of keep it that consistent tone and the beats and of course you know you know again I think it's probably the genius of of Carpenter himself. He just kind of be that you know crafts a master you know, story and, and, and his, his signature is all over the movie, even though he isn't, uh, he didn't direct it, but you know, you know, nevertheless, it, it, that, that to me is, I think one of the main pluses and kind of, you know, standouts for this movie is that it does feel like a true continuation. It does feel like part two as to just being, you know, Halloween slap the number two on it, if that makes any sense. So kind of you know, diving into the, the storyline, more or less, you know, as I said, it takes place the same exact night, which was, you know, I think just a, a stroke of uh, a stroke of genius, um, you know, even though I think, you know, it would have been kind of interesting to see how they would have done uh, a, a kind of a, a traumatized Laurie Strode three or four years after the fact. I think ultimately this was the, the, the right idea and it made the most sense uh, for the story. Um, but any event, movie picks up moments after Halloween ends. Loomis has uh, shot Michael uh, off the balcony, discovers he's gone, and continues his pursuit of him. So Laurie Strode, meanwhile, is transported to the local hospital. She has a cracked bone in her leg. They're going to do surgery in the morning. They give her a little a wrap and a cast, and she's you know basically confined to the hospital bed for the majority of the movie, which that, I, I would only say, you know, if I have one kind of you know major nitpick for the movie, I, I wish Laurie was more active in, in a way. Like I understand, I think in some sense because it does it does work from a story angle. Like okay, she's just been through this horrible night and she's just sort of wiped out from it. So I I do get it, but I think because she was so active and and frankly proactive in the first movie. I would have liked to have seen her have a little bit more agency and urgency. Um, I mean, when, when, you know, when the moment strikes, it, it does, you know, she, she's ready. It's Laurie Strode after all. But um, I, I would have liked to have had her kind of, you know, more, you know, more engaged kind of in the storyline than just sort of, you know, having the storyline revolve around her, you know, in a hospital bed, more or less. But again, as I said, you know, more of a nitpick. Um, but but any event, you know, Michael Myers is, of course, still out there, and he makes his way uh, to the hospital after hearing from a kid who literally passes him on the road uh, holding a boombox that Laurie Strode had been taken to the local hospital. I always thought that was such a, a cool and, and kind of creepy uh, scene where, you know, again, it's, it's Halloween in Haddonfield, and no one really knows quite what has happened or... Things are starting to get out, but then there's an accident where they believe maybe Michael Myers is dead. So, like, you know, the town is kind of going about its business. And, of course, it's Halloween, so it makes sense to see people walking around town in costumes and in the, engaging in the Halloween spirit. Uh, and that's something that I think is really a, a, a big uh, plus and kind of a nice addition for this movie is it really does kick up the Halloween season itself. It really plays into that whole lore and, and aspect. I mean, 
partly I think that's because the budget was so much bigger. It was a $2.5 million budget compared to $300,000. So you could afford to have a little bit more decoration and kind of play into the season. But uh, th- that's something that I think really kind of sells the movie even more is that it, it's the season, it's, it's Halloween, and it, it's all the mythology uh, behind it. You know, there's a scene which has no you know, bearing on the plot whatsoever. I mean, you could easily see how it could have been deleted, you know, in another time. But uh, at the hospital, we're introduced to this boy and his mother who's uh, going into the emergency room. And, you know, he has cut his mouth on a razor blade that he had in an apple. And it's only like, you know, a a two to three minute scene. Uh, And again, like I said, has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. But it's just kind of nice that Carpenter and Hill tipped their hat to the to the lore of Halloween, you know the idea of you know check your candy, you know those old wives' tale, you know people telling their kids, oh look out for razor blades or stuff in your candy. Like I mean that kind of stuff just just sort of makes this movie you know a feel you know more like you're at Halloween time and 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 definitely you know part of that season. But it also just sort of kicks the movie up more just from being a straightforward slasher movie, which was kind of you know. As much as you know, it, it, it was as much as Halloween kind of stood in its own. It inspired all these slew of imitators and and uh, and other slashers. You know, I'm looking at you, Jason Voorhees from Friday the Thirteenth. So it's just kind of nice whenever this movie does, and it doesn't do it a lot, but whenever it can kind of differentiate itself from just sort of a run of the mill slasher. And it's moments like that with the little boy and and the razor blade and kind of just playing into the whole lore of Halloween, I, I think really enhances this, this movie. And, and again, gives it that extra little, uh, you know, nudge, uh, in, in the creative direction. But, you know, getting back to the plot, you know, it's Halloween in Haddonfield. So people are walking around. So no one thinks twice of a guy walking around in coveralls and a mask. And so Michael, of course, finds out that Gloria's going to the hospital, is at the hospital. And, you know, pretty much that's where the majority of, of the second and third act take place, which is at the hospital with Michael just going on his 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 merry way, uh, killing everybody, uh, uh, trying to get to Laurie Strode. And, uh, you know, certainly that's a criticism of the movie compared to its predecessor, is that it is much bloodier and gorier. Uh, Halloween notably had very little blood. If there was blood, it was so tame and, and tepid that you, you really didn't even notice it. Uh, the idea behind Halloween was what was scarier is what you didn't see and let your mind run away with it. Halloween 2 takes the opposite approach. And and interestingly, John Carpenter felt the pressures of all of the imitators that followed Halloween. So you have you know, your Friday the 13th and all of all of the, the splatter films, you know, uh, you know, uh, Terror Train and uh, Prom Night, you know, all these just, you know, glorified, you know, uh, splatter movies, uh, you know, some of them with a, with a, 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 a play on the a holiday or whatnot. So uh, John Carpenter, you know, felt that he had to kind of up the ante in a way because, interestingly, the original cut of Halloween 2 was much tamer and, and much more in the tradition of, the original movie, and interestingly enough, Halloween does Halloween Two does have uh, what's called the TV cut, which uh, you know obviously was edited for TV, but is more 
in line with what director Rick Rosenthal had intended for the movie, which was much less gore and blood and more suspense and kind of theater of the mind with what was going on instead of just outright showing you. Uh, but apparently John Carpenter thought the movie was, was too tame and given that, that the audience of the day was craving uh, you know, more blood, more guts, more of, of the splatter effect, he went back in and reshot a lot of scenes in Halloween 2 to just sort of up the gore factor, uh, uh, so to speak. So what, what you end up getting is a movie that is much more uh, aggressive in, in kind of the way that it depicts the violence and the gore as opposed to Halloween, which... You know, Michael, you know, he stabs people, but that's really it. It doesn't go much, you know, quote-unquote deeper than that. It's all really left up to interpretation and your own imagination, which is sometimes uh, even more frightening. But uh, nevertheless, you know, this was this was 1981. This wasn't 1978. So I can understand, you know, you want to cater to your marketplace. And it's certainly by today's standards, Halloween 2 is, is relatively tame. Uh, compared to what is what is out there today, but um, certainly for its time, it, it was much more uh, on the bloody side. And 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 interestingly, uh, many critics uh, latched onto that and felt that it was kind of you know, you know I think Roger Ebert said, um, or maybe it was I, I forget who said it was. Some some you know big name critic kind of said that it was more or less copying from its imitators, and 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 it sort of it kind of didn't need to do that, and and I can understand that because you know Halloween works so well because you know it didn't rely on blood and gross out effects. I mean this movie you know you've got Michael stabbing a woman uh, in the eye with a with a syringe, and you've got a. Uh, uh, you know, another woman getting basically scalded to death inside of a a, a, a tub, and I mean, it, it's it, I mean, it's a bloodier movie. I mean, you know, a marshal, you know, he gets his throat slit. Like, I mean, it's it's not, it doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Um, and but you know, on the same, on the, you know, on the other hand, I I get you know, it's nineteen eighty one. Friday the Thirteenth has come out. You know, it's 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 a different world now, and and Friday the Thirteenth found a way to, to make its money and to do its business by having, you know, just sort of over-the-top effects and blood and, you know, 450 different ways to, you know, try to kill somebody on screen. I mean, it was, you know, so I mean, I, I get it. The marketplace, you know, was there. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, you know, what happens, you know, what happened happened. And it was, you know, the way you know the way that you know the way the movie turned out, but um, it's just sort of interesting how there was, you know, kind of this behind the scenes, you know, nitpicking and, and kind of you know creative uh, differences before the movie even released. Uh, it's just sort of fascinating how all that stuff uh, arises. But uh, again, back to the plot. You know, Michael goes on his way, slaughtering everybody left and right, and of course, you know, he makes his way to find Laurie, who. They never quite say it outright for Laurie's character. It's more implied um, because she has no idea who was after her uh, in, in the previous movie. She thinks just some random psycho. And then uh, one of the characters, uh, Jimmy, who's a paramedic, kind of a uh, more or less love interest uh, character for Laurie in the movie, 
uh, reveals that the guy who was after Lori is Michael Myers. And Lori's like, oh, you know, from the Myers house and the little, you know, the guy that killed the sister. And she then has like a dream flashback sequence where she's talking to her her mother, who actually, is, you know, her adopted mother, and she makes that re- you know revelation to her that you know, no, I'm, you know, I'm not your real mother. And then there's another kind of dream flashback sequence where she's, you know, a young Lori is visiting uh, Michael in the sanitarium. And, you know, again, it's you know, meant to connect the dots. But, it, you know, there, there's never this, you know, sort of outright moment where Laurie's like, oh, shit, he's, he's my brother. That ends up coming with, with Dr. Loomis, who, you know, finds out this, this, this convoluted backstory about another uh, child that was born after Michael, uh, who was born after Michael was committed. And then the parents died and then the, the child was adopted. And, of course, you know, Loomis puts two and two together and that's what leads to the big showdown uh, at the movie of, of the movie. And, you know, while the, 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 the chase stalking sequence between Michael and Laurie doesn't necessarily live up to the original one, this one is, is just as, as uh, you know, it's just as, as intense. And, and there are some, some real moments of, of dread. I can remember the first time I've watched it. And even since, you know, doing research, for this podcast, um, when Lori is trying to get away from Michael in the hospital, and she's in this elevator, and I don't, you know, I don't care how many times I've seen it, it still gets me because she's in there, she's pushing the button, she's waiting for the door to close, and it's like the door is slowly closing, and Michael's getting closer and closer and closer, and then he sticks the, you know, his hand in the scalpel in to try to stop the door, and you think the door is going to open up, but it it doesn't. Lori's able to get away. I mean, it's just. It, it, there, there are real moments of uh, of just terrifying joy uh, from this movie. I mean, really, the entire. I mean, the the feel of the movie is great. It feels like Halloween. It feels fall. There is a kind of creepy uh, uh, aura to the whole movie, which is again kind of uh, enhanced by once again Donald Pleasance great portrayal of Dr. Loomis um, where he talks about uh, Sawin or as they say in the movie Sam Hain and the kind of origin of Halloween and you know how it began as kind of this ritualistic festival where they would burn people I mean, there's, there's a lot of just like nice symbolism and that kind of themes that carry throughout the whole movie and, and again like I said with the the, the the boy at the hospital with the uh, the razor blade, you know, kind of just playing into the lore of Halloween and and the darkness and the and really just the mystery of the season. I think give this movie just a little extra uh, oomph that uh, you know certainly all of its imitators uh, of the time and movies of its uh, of its day did not have, and, and even I, I would even argue some of the later sequels didn't have. There, there, there's just that real feeling of menace and 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 suspense and mystery attached to this film that the other ones just didn't have it it, it again i think partly because it has the same creative team behind it and it does feel like such a seamless transition from you know from halloween to halloween 2 that it just it works overall um but and, and i think probably the biggest ad is is the is the final is the finale the the climax in, inside the hospital between Lori and Michael and 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 Loomis and there's a great scene uh, which 
I think it's one of Laurie's, uh, Jamie's best uh, performances uh, in in the first two movies where she's outside the hospital and you know she's been through hell already and 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 she's just you know desperate to escape and she sees a car pull up she's outside the hospital now and she's lying on the ground and she sees a car pull up and uh, a marshal gets out and, and Marion Chambers but but she sees of course Dr. Loomis and you know she's on the ground like almost in a whisper like going help help and she can't scream like she she's almost her voice is paralyzed just from just sheer exhaustion and terror and of course she can't you know muster the ability to scream until Loomis and company go inside and the door shut and she just lets out this gut-wrenching cry for help and then you know cut to the next shot Michael appears and he's illuminated by this this bright ominous red light and it, it's just it's so intense because again Michael just follows at a slow creeping pace and you just think oh my god you know what's going to happen and then you know from there you know Loomis you know again saves a day and you know Michael just you know as a sheer force of nature I mean th- this movie really plays into the idea of Michael being more than just a man it's it's hinted at in the original but it's never really it's never really said one way or another it's more just kind of speculation that Loomis you know alludes to but Halloween 2 definitely you know answers the question that Michael Myers is not a man I mean between the bullets the bullets that he takes and then him just you know walking through a glass door uh without breaking a sweat or anything I mean that's like that's terrifying, and, we're, and we realize at that point, you know, we're not dealing with, you know, just a crazy guy in a mask. But uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, the movie reaches this, you know, pardon the pun, fiery uh, climax between Laurie and and Michael and Loomis in in the operating room, where after Loomis is wounded, Laurie has a kind of you know her one real exchange with Loomis, uh, Michael. Uh, in the movie where she literally calls him out by name and he 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 stops for a moment and again it's you know it's this moment where like they have almost you know because of their connection it's almost like she's she's you know appealing to his his human side but then you know the evil side dwarfs it and he continues on his mission and then you know Laurie manages to get a perfect shot and you know seemingly you know shoots him in, in both of his eyes but you know nevertheless manages you know he's, we can still see him i mean again nitpicks but it does lead to great uh imagery with just michael and the blood coming down of his his eyes and smearing on his mask and of course that then leads to the to the uh, explosive uh, finale where loomis uh being the hero that he is makes the the sacrifice to stop michael and and after Lori, you know seeing Lori get to safety uh, fills the room uh, with uh, gas and then uh, strikes a strikes a lighter and and boom uh, blows uh, he and Michael up in in flames. But uh, there's that you know final shot of Michael even you know on on fire, which they did set uh, Dick Warlock uh, on fire for that scene. And interestingly enough, he ended up uh, getting partially burned on his wrist because the uh, uh, flame retardant suit he was wearing had metal zippers in the arms and with the heat and the fire it just melted and cooked right onto his skin but you know all in a day's work I guess for a stunt performer uh, but you know he's you know literally walking through fire and through flames and then of course finally collapses and and that's really 
uh, you know, kind of an important place to note because this was supposed to be it. There was not supposed to be a Halloween 3 or there was not supposed to be a Halloween 3 with Michael Myers. And if there was going to be a Halloween 4, there would be no more Michael Myers. This was meant to be the end for Loomis, for Laurie, for Michael himself. That was why John Carpenter went through all of the kind of events in the movie to make it to make sure that there would be no way this character could ever come back. But of course, uh, we know what happened in 1988. But that uh, I've covered, of course, on another another episode. But this was supposed to be it. And, and frankly. If you know, if we had never gotten another Halloween movie after Halloween two, uh, or, or Halloween movie with Michael Myers, you know, I could I could say you know as much as I'm a fan and I love the series and I'm glad that it's continuing, it, it is satisfying because you really don't get a better kind of bookend with Halloween two than how it ends because you know with just the showdown at the hospital and then Loomis sacrificing himself and you know kind of you know Ahab going down with the whale so to speak uh it, it's a perfect ending and then with with Laurie being taken to another ho- hospital and you know just sort of in relief and shock that she has fully survived the night we're well into November 1st and then it just plays out with uh a perfectly chosen song, uh, Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes. Uh, I mean, you can't ask for a better uh, movie. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, if it was just Halloween and Halloween 2, you know, I, I would be okay with that. As much as I, you know, love this series and I'm glad it's continued uh, and is continuing, I, I, th- there really is a, a, a finale to the way it ends. And I, again, you know, part, probably that is, you know, again, by design, Carpenter and, and, and Hill wanted to put an end, put a stake into Michael Myers once and for all and, and be done with it. In many ways, of course, they were done with it. This was the last movie featuring Michael Myers until 1988. So, I mean, they, you know, they did get their way in that sense, but, um, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, if you were to, you know, go back in time and, and think, okay, th- this is it. It, it really, you don't get a, a better ending than, than that movie because, you know, Halloween is such a perfect movie that, you know, a, a sequel is almost a, a inevitably going to, you know, suffer by comparison just because the original is such a timeless classic. But you know, Halloween 2, you know, does not phone it in. It is not a weak entry in the series. I mean, you know, as I said, there, you know, some you know, minor issues to pick on. I mean, again, it's not perfect, but insofar as a sequel goes and, 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 and telling a complete story, uh, I have to say hats off, hats off to Halloween too. It's one of my favorite movies in, in the franchise, uh, you know, prior to Halloween 2018, it was my favorite sequel. Uh, so, I mean, it kind of just goes to show what, what this movie uh, has meant to me as a fan of the of the series, and uh, you know, most recently it had a a re-release on uh, on on 4K, which uh, I am proud to say that I uh, I have a copy along with a few other versions. But uh, no, th- this is one of those movies where it it, it really is a f- is a fun slasher, so to speak. I mean, Halloween is 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 the seminal classic. I mean, it, it's it, it's in a it's in a category all by itself. I mean, not just as a horror movie, but as a as a great piece of cinema. Uh, but but Halloween two for me is is the fun 
80s slasher movie. I mean, frankly, you know, with all of the movies that were out there at that time, you know, again, I'm looking at you, Friday the 13th, and uh, the ones that would come after, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Nightmare on Elm Street, and, and of course, you know, all the other imitators, you know, My Bloody Valentine, uh, Final Exam, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Halloween 2 has has class. It, it, it's 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 funny. It's it's suspenseful, and it it doesn't it doesn't pardon the expression shit on the original. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't it doesn't go on its way to poke fun or or sort of let down what came before it. It it, it doesn't match the original, but it doesn't disgrace it. And and for that, it, it's why it's one of my favorite. Uh, in, in the franchise, and I and I love going back to it, uh, you know, especially around Halloween, because it really is a a just a fun, perfect slasher movie with just the right amount of suspense, right amount of gore, and again, when you watch it back uh, with with Halloween, uh, nineteen seventy eight, it, it's a perfect double feature. So uh, uh, you're, you're going to get nothing uh, nothing but praise and and recommendations when it comes to Halloween two. Um, from from my book, but I mean, I mean, what else can I say? I mean, it's you know, the, the cast is fantastic. I mean, Donald Pleasance he never turns in a bad performance as Doctor Loomis. Jamie Lee Curtis, she is and she will always be the scream queen. And and interestingly, this was her last horror movie uh, until Halloween H two O. So I mean, it's th- this is a very special movie in, in kind of the Halloween. Uh, uh, lore because again it was it was meant to to serve as a finale for the Michael Laurie Loomis storyline. It was Jamie Lee Curtis's last horror movie until she came back and did uh, Halloween H two O. She had wanted to kind of move on from the genre and her label was the Scream Queen. Uh, of course, now you know she embraces the title of Scream Queen, but uh, back then you know she was ready to move on to other roles and. Um, you know, again, Carpenter and Hill and and company wanted to move on. They, you know, after this, the thought was to turn Halloween into an anthology series and 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 take it in a new direction. And I think that's actually a perfect place to end uh, this episode and uh, save uh, save more for next week, uh, where I will dive into the the uh, the often maligned and and discredited sequel in the franchise Halloween 3 season of the witch but but arguably a a a fine movie in its own right that just had the unfortunate uh, uh burden of of having the title Halloween 3 in its name uh in a world uh before an anthology series was even uh part of the cinematic lexicon but uh, more on that later uh you know it's interesting Halloween 2 you know, was truly meant to be the end of the Michael Myers part of the franchise and then was meant to begin a new era. But, uh, of course, ultimately, uh, Michael Michael never dies and evil never and evil never dies. So it, it does make sense that uh, uh, he would inevitably return. And, and, and return he did. But uh, uh, that, I think, uh, that, that covers today's topic uh, for Halloween 2. Just a, a, a final note, because uh, I did want to comment on some 
Halloween related news, or in this case, Halloween ends related news. Uh, it was re- uh, revealed and announced this week that Halloween ends will follow the same pattern of Halloween kills by having a, uh, a theatrical and uh, same day release on Peacock as well. So following the same pattern of, um, of, of, of Halloween kills. And I, you know, the only reason I comment on it because it is kind of, you know, interesting and worthy uh, news uh, of the day and ties in with our ongoing uh, topic series. But uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, on on Twitter and online just sort of, uh, you know, chiming in and, and uh, spouting off about, oh, this is terrible. This means the movie isn't going to be good and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and I just have to say, you know, first off, I, I, I call bull on that argument because, I mean, you know, again, I know Halloween Kills is is polarizing uh, in some in some cases, but no one can deny that the movie uh, didn't uh, do well at the box office, even with the same day release uh, on on Peacock. Uh, it did phenomenal numbers opening weekend. It pulled in ninety million dollars uh, in the United States and over one hundred thirty one million bucks uh, worldwide. So. Halloween Kills uh, did did quite fine at the box office, and I expect Halloween Ends is going to do just as fine. I I think this is a this is a, a, a wise call given the re, the reaction and 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 response they got last year. And I will just say, you know, again, I'm not trying to read into things too much, but if you'll watch the video uh, announcement uh, where Jamie Lee Curtis, who I mean, should just be the queen of explaining everything. She just does such a great job uh, as kind of a spokesperson, um, you know, particularly for the franchise. But she made a, made a comment, and I've seen a number of people online catch, uh, pick up on it, where she said, you know, no spoilers, uh, but if it were me, I would go watch Halloween in theaters, and then I would go watch it on Peacock. And that has a lot of people, myself included, uh, wondering if there are two versions to this movie, one that will be in theaters and one that will be on Peacock. And the reason uh, that I even, you know, I can support this this theory is that there were two versions uh, that have been test screened for the movie. Uh, so there, w- there was, you know, one earlier that apparently got an overwhelming response and then another one that, w- that got a kind of divided response. And again, I'm not reading into it either way. But uh, I'm wondering if there's some uh, some truth to that because uh, the the no spoilers comment uh, by uh, by Miss Curtis did, did uh, uh, set up a set up some question marks uh, in my mind. So I'm wondering if uh, that's part of the strategy and kind of the PR, which I think has been phenomenal for Halloween, and they've really kept everything under wraps. It's starting to kick up now with posters coming out and and. Uh, magazines, and, and I'm sure we'll get a final trailer in the next few weeks. But um, I, I I wonder if that's part of the plan to sort of have you know there be a a version that is shown on uh, on the big screen, and then a version that's shown on, on Peacock to kind of get people you know watching both. Again, maybe not, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there is a a few more tricks up the uh, more more tricks than treats, if you will, uh, for this final. Uh, Final entry, or frankly, frankly, tricks and treats. You know, uh, any of it. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. But I did just want to you know make a comment on that because uh, Halloween ends is in 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 the news, and uh, I expect as we continue on our review of the Halloween franchise, more news will be uh, popping up, if you will, 
in the in the days uh, and weeks ahead. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, uh, stay tuned as uh, more develops, uh, so to speak, as more things go uh, bump in the night. But uh, in any event, that concludes today's show. Want to thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back next week. We'll be covering Halloween three, season of the witch. Until then, everyone, stay safe. Be well. Go check out some movies, and I will be back next week. Take care.